Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Grant Baldwin on the line. Grant, how are you? Awesome, Michael. Thanks for letting me hang out with you today, buddy. Oh, man, I'm really looking forward to this one. As I said to you in the pre-show, I've been uh, following you for quite a long time, and you do some amazing work in the speaking business. So for the two people on the planet that don't know about you, could you share a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, man. Uh, there's definitely more than two. I know that. But um, yeah, I run a, a training company called The Speaker Lab, where we teach people how to find and book paid speaking gigs. So I myself was a full-time speaker for several years, did that for a long time, and had a lot of people who were asking me, like, hey, I want to be a speaker. How do I go about doing that? And and I know for me, whenever I got started, there, there wasn't a lot of like coaching or tools or podcasts or books or resources. And so it was me basically like going around and just stalking a bunch of speakers, emailing a bunch of speakers and just pestering them and like, hey, I want to do what you do. Can you tell me how to do it? Uh, and there's only so much information you can get from that. And so uh, whenever we got to a point where I had a lot of people who were asking me, I want to be a speaker, uh, I was kind of like, okay, what do I wish I had when I got started? And so what would that look like in terms of, of coaching and training and resources and podcasts and books? And so, uh, yeah, that's what we we do now. And so we've got um, a good team, help people all over the world. We've literally helped uh, speakers in all 50 US states and in 49 different countries around the world. And there's uh, a lot of people who are interested in speaking. Some people want to do it full time. Some people want to do a few gigs here or there or something on the side. Uh, I just don't know how to get started. Don't know what they don't know and don't know, you know, what do you speak about and how much you charge and who hires speakers and how does this mysterious black box of the speaking industry work? And so that's what we, uh, we try to demystify for people. That's great work. And, you know, my speaking career started off, you know, after, you know, buying one of your products and subscribing cool. to your podcast and all of that. And it's, it's definitely been uh, a change in my life for sure. And really appreciate the work that your team has done and continues to do. So a lot of things I want to bring up in this short period of time that we have together. Let's talk about the pandemic for a moment, because I know in talking with my colleagues in the speaking industry, that was a rug pull at first. Uh, For many people, they're going, wait a minute, uh, how do I speak to people if I don't get to congregate in front of people? So walk us through what what those conversations were like at the speaker lab. And and I know uh, in in following you and your team, you you guys were able to help speaker segue really fast into a virtual speaking type of environment. Yeah. So share, share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, January, February, March 2020, uh, it was definitely um, uh, a bit nerve wracking of exactly what you just described of going like, all right, now, you know, now what happens if all of a sudden people can't meet and events are being canceled left and right? Uh, a lot of speakers I was talking to in the industry were going, I, I went from a full calendar to no calendar, you know, literally in the matter of, uh, of a couple of days and uh, sometimes overnight. And so it was just, it was a very, you know, scary, terrifying time for the speaking industry, certainly for the entire world. Uh, but it's quickly turned out to be the, I think the pandemic is one of the best possible things that's happened to the speaking industry. And I'll explain why. I think pre-pandemic, um, virtual speaking was was never really much of a thing. You know, there was a, a few speakers that would do it, a few event planners that would do it, but it just wasn't really taken that seriously by anybody. It wasn't really uh, widely accepted. And then the pandemic hits and that it becomes the only game in town. There are no options like you described. There, there's no, nobody's getting together in person. Live events are 
canceled. Events still need to happen in some form. And so virtual becomes the only option. And so all of a sudden, the entire world goes on Zoom and we quickly try to figure out, uh, you know, what do virtual events look like? And so for several months, and even to some degree still today, you know, it's kind of the wild, wild west of figuring out, you know, how do you deliver uh, virtually? What does that look like? Uh, but one of the things that we have seen is that now, you know, fast forward a couple of years, live events have continued to come back on a, you know, a month by month basis. We continue to hear from uh, speakers and event planners and bureaus that live events are happening and there's been a significant rise in that. You know, there's nothing that compares to and competes with like being together in person. And so I know even for myself, a handful of events that I've been to that everyone's just like, man, it just, dang, it feels really good to be back together with other people. And so you just can't, you can't duplicate that and replicate that in a virtual environment. Now, what's great though, is although, in-person events continue to come back, it doesn't mean that that's happening at the detriment or the decrease of virtual events. And so what we've seen is virtual events have continued to stick around. And so what that means is there's been a, a new supply, kind of a um, uh, an influx of potential opportunities for speakers, both virtually and for in-person. And so what we're seeing is there's a lot more opportunities, but there's also a lot of opportunities for uh, some type of hybrid events, meaning that before pre-pandemic, a lot of times maybe a speaker would be hired, they would go speak at something and they collect their check and that's kind of the end of the transaction. What we're seeing now is more opportunities where speakers may, they may go speak at something and then maybe for the next three to six months, maybe they're doing a once a month Zoom follow-up call with attendees and kind of answering some questions or helping with implementation or doing some additional coaching and consulting. Uh, and so that's a good opportunity to, to combine both virtual and in-person opportunities that also increases the impact that a speaker is able to make, but it also increases what they can charge and the, the revenue that they can earn. So, yeah, I think, you know, and in, in, in hindsight now, this is something we talked a lot about even early on in the pandemic, but I think the pandemic will end up being one of the best possible things that's ever happened for the speaking industry. I agree. And in talking with event planners too, I told them once we're able to gather in person again, don't delete your Zoom account or WebEx or whatever you happen to use. Yeah. Keep that as an option. One, if not just for speakers that can't make it, but for your attendees. So if you're in a conference hall, it's got a limit of a thousand people. That's your limit. But now with the virtual side of things, you can have virtual attendees. You could maybe register another 500 or 1,000 people, maybe a little bit less so you don't charge them the coffee and the stale croissant fee, and everything is good to go. All of a sudden, that event is making more money, which in turn allows them to pay speakers a little bit more. So it, I agree with you. It's been a, a positive amongst a lot of challenging times for sure. Yeah, indeed. So when you launch the Speaker Lab and you know, going back in time a little bit, and you're like, okay... What are all the things that I wish I had? As you started working with other speakers, I'm sure that they came to you. It's like, you know what would be really good to have is this. Because I know when I first signed up for it years ago, just simply having a contract template was sure. something that you, know, you wouldn't be able to necessarily find quite easily. But you know, what was that experience like? Yeah, I think that the, what we offer today and how we help students has certainly evolved over time. It kind of goes back to a lot of what you just said there, Michael, of, of listening to what students are needing or, hey, you know, do you have something that can help me with a website, for example? And finally, we got to a point a few years ago where we were like, can we just make websites for speakers? Like, what would that process look like? And uh, I don't know how to edit or make a demo video. You know, it's like, okay, can we make demo? Like, if you provide the footage, can we make a demo video? Like, what would that look like? And so there's absolutely been a lot of those iterations of what are the things where speakers get stuck? What are the speakers? 
speakers with things where speakers need help and is there, are there things that we can either do for them or with them or take off their plate and just try to make it as simple as possible um, now I would say that like being a speaker is and the you know what we teach and the process that we follow is like it's simple but it's not easy like we try to make it dead simple for people but it still requires work and effort you know it's kind of I like to use the analogy of like if you if you wanted to lose weight you know what do you need to do I'm no health expert I'm no nutritionist or uh, exercise geek or anything like that but I know you got to do two things you got to pay attention to what you eat and you got to exercise like that's it it's simple but it's not easy right if it was easy to do then everybody would be skinny and beautiful and healthy and like that that's just not the case you know uh, and and so the reality is, is like it still requires work. It still requires effort. And so we want to make it as dead simple as possible, but it still requires work. It still requires effort from speakers. I think another thing that I feel like we do a really good job with that I felt like I needed early on in my own speaking career is you kind of need some some validation that you're on the right path. You know, you're you're kind of walking blindly through the woods, going like, "Am I am I doing okay? Am I on the right path? Am I on the right track? Am I, you know, what do I do now?" And and sometimes it's confusion, or you need some some clarification, or you need some someone where you can ask some questions to and get some feedback and help with. And sometimes it's just like. Being an entrepreneur, being a speaker can be very lonely. It can be very isolating. You are spending a lot of time just kind of on your own island, just plugging along. And so sometimes like when you have a win, I just booked a gig or I just got a deposit or I just landed or I just did a gig that went really well or just got my website back and it looks awesome. Like you just need someone to like virtually high five and encourage you that, yeah, you're, you're doing it. You're on the right track. You're building momentum. It's the same reason like if you're going to go to the gym, go with someone else, you know, who can hold you accountable, that can keep you moving forward, that can give you a high five, uh, that can spot you in the process. You know, all those different different things. And so we want to be that for, for speakers. And I think that that's something that we, we really excel at. Well, I agree. You definitely have. And I've seen the growth of the organization and what you offer has been just amazing and it continues to get better, including your show. You know, so with all this, you're like, okay, let's, let's do a podcast. And, uh, and I know that takes a lot of time and effort and editing and getting guests and all of that stuff. So, you know, what, you know, what motivated you to launch a show? I'm, I'm sure it was probably a in unison with, with helping speakers out, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit different than just putting some content together for people to, you know, download or, or watch videos or whatnot. Yeah, kind of the thought process behind the podcast was actually prior to doing the Speaker Lab podcast. And at this point, at the time of this recording, we're we're coming up on 400 episodes that we've recorded. Um, we've had you know hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of content there. And so, in fact, um, prior to the Speaker Lab podcast, I was actually hosting a different podcast. And so, I was if we go back several years, I was speaking full time. I was doing about 60, 70 gigs a year. Uh, I wanted to transition and do I don't know something different. I was kind of figuring out what that was at the time. I was doing a lot of speaking about you know helping people figure out what they wanted to do with life in terms of their career. And so uh, when people would ask me about speaking, one of the things that they would say uh, would be this exact question. And we probably asked other people that question before. The question is, how did you get into that? You know, and so I would I would hear that question regularly, and I'd find myself asking other people that question. And sometimes I'd ask that question through the lens of, "Hey, that's interesting. If I wanted to do that, like, how would you go about doing that?" And other times it was interesting just to ask someone, like, "I would never want to do that. That's just fascinating. How does someone even get into a career like that?" And so I thought it'd be interesting to do a podcast around that topic, and it was called "How Did You Get Into That?" And so what we did we did about I think a little less than 150 episodes over the course of a few years, just interviewing people who had just unique, interesting, fascinating types of career. Of career 
careers. Uh, we talked with a guy who uh, worked for Nike, who worked with Michael Jordan and the Jordan brand designing an Air Jordan. Um, we talked with one of um, like a, a top Lego master builder, like one of the top Lego builders in the world. Talked to a guy that was an NBA mascot, uh, a lady that was a cheesemonger. And so she was like one of the, the world's foremost experts on cheese, you know? So just these like fascinating careers are like, okay, the idea being if they can figure out what they want to do, surely I can figure out what I want to do. So I did that for a while and really, really enjoy that. It was a lot of fun. Podcast is something that is a medium that I'm, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's kind of my main form of content that I consume. I don't read a ton of blogs. I don't watch a ton of YouTube, but I listen to a lot of podcasts. So it's naturally a medium that I gravitated towards. And so then when we decided to start the speaker lab, I was doing this kind of career podcast. How did you get into that? It just didn't make a ton of sense. We decided to wrap that up and at the same time, start the speaker lab. And when we started the speaker lab podcast, um, it, it accomplished a couple of different things for us. One was at the time I was starting to get quite a few questions from people about about things like you know speaking fees and what do you speak about and and websites and contracts and like all just different types of stuff and I'd always you know I've got answers for those things but you know there's only so much you can go you can cover versus like hey what if we just do a 30 minute episode talking about speaking contracts right and we can really go deep and that way when someone asks and say hey here's you know here's a nutshell answer but here's where you here's a good like in-depth topic um, or, or episode on that specific topic. And so that was really kind of the idea behind doing uh, the podcast in the beginning. I would also say that podcasting, um, and Michael, I'm sure you've, you found this to be the case as well. Podcasting has been really, really good for networking, uh, meaning that there's a lot of people in the speaking industry or speaking space that I would love to connect with that probably wouldn't have given me the time of day before, not because they're mean or bad or anything like that. They're just busy and they, we all got a lot going on, uh, but they happen happily top hop on a you know a podcast and chat and that usually a few minutes to chat before and after and so there are opportunities just to connect and network with um uh, other people that may have previously not existed uh, without a podcast so yeah at this point having podcasted for two different podcasts coming up on you know at this point 550 combined episodes hundreds of hours and, and hundreds of interviews and conversations doing a podcast has been a absolutely a, a huge huge win yeah, it's a great uh, leverage tool for a lot of different things, whether it's you know, consulting work, speaking engagements, whatnot. It's it's a medium where someone can say, okay, you know, can you show us some of your work? Yeah, here's you know close to 400 episodes of me interviewing and talking with people. Oh, okay, yeah, I I, I think Grant knows how to speak. That that makes a lot of sense. So, one thing too before we wrap up, and this is a thought that came to me yesterday as I was thinking about our interview today, was. The beautiful thing about speaking is you have an audience. So it's you and you're speaking and sharing some information with somebody. And the thing that drove home why I love speaking and you know other people you know, enjoy it for a variety of different reasons is, especially in this world right now, where if you look at social media and conversations on social media, unfortunately, in many arenas are very terse or rude or combative type of situations where in a speaking environment, the people there are interested to hear what you have to say from your point of view. They may have a differing opinion on something, but the medium itself is, I don't want to say necessarily a safer environment, but it's one where it's more, I don't know, humanistic or professional, or I'm, I'm struggling for the word that I'm looking for, because again, this is a thought that came to mind yesterday. So I'd love to hear your thought about, and not to go into the dialogue of you know what's wrong or what's right with social media, but just speaking as 
a person is you know someone that goes out and shares a particular message with an audience you know some of the, some of the things that you know really excite you about it and you know some of the differences that you're seeing especially in this world of social media being as negative sometimes as it is yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that for sure. And it's it's really easy um, to say whatever and in, into the internet when you're just hiding behind a keyboard. But when you're in person and 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 like you kind of alluded to there, Michael, the the nature of speaking tends to be that you know you have one person on stage speaking to a collection of other people. Normally the people in the audience want to be there. It's not a combative type of environment, it's not an us versus them type of thing. As uh, you know, as you know, you and I both said in lots of audiences before, as an audience member, like we want to see the speaker do well. We don't want to see them fail. We want to be interested in and what they're talking about. We want them to be entertaining and engaging with what it is that they're communicating. So, uh, yeah, I think that just kind of the nature of the medium lends itself well to people to want you to do well as a speaker. Um, and I think the other thing is like as a, as speakers, when you are creating a talk, when you're when you, I think one of the things that makes speaking unique is. When you're creating a talk, you are you're making an educated guess on. I think this is funny. I think this will work. I think this will make sense. I think this is scratching the itch that the audience may have, but you don't actually know until you get up in front of the audience. And so, one of the cool things about speaking is whenever you literally when you communicate a sentence, you are getting real time feedback from the audience. Are they tracking? Are they with you? Is it making sense? Are they nodding their head? Are they writing notes? Are they laughing? Are they engaged? Are they crying? Are they are they paying attention? Are they looking at their phone like? what's happening in that real time versus other mediums. For example, with podcasting, you know, you and I are talking right now at this very moment in time, there's going to be people listening at some point in the future, but we have no idea. Are they listening? Where are they listening? Are they driving down the road? Are they paying attention? Are they cooking dinner? Are they exercising? Are they actually tracking? Did they, you know, listen to two minutes and then just delete the episode? Like we have no clue whatsoever. When someone reads a book, you know, you spend months and months and months writing and crafting and refining a book and it sends out, I know we've sold thousands and thousands of copies of, of a book. I've never seen someone like, I've never watched someone actually physically read the book and watch their reaction. But I have given presentations in front of hundreds or thousands of people and seen and given that, been given that real time feedback in the moment that helps me to become a better speaker. You know, it helps you like, hey, I thought this was going to be good and it, it wasn't, or I thought this was going to be funny and it didn't, it felt completely flat, or I thought this segue was going to make sense and it seemed confusing. Uh, and so you get that real time feedback that helps you to become a better, a better speaker and, and presenter over time. Agreed. And knowing your audience is helpful too. And, and usually you have a good idea who's going to be in the audience, but sometimes, you know, depending on how, I don't say vague, but how general a particular conference or event is, then it's a little harder to do that. You know, I spoke at an event in Orlando in January and back to what you said a few minutes ago, it was really cool to be in front of people, you know, like human yeah. beings. I'm like, and literally when I started my talk, I'm like, okay, where's the record button on Zoom? It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's actually people in this room. This is nuts. Right, right. It was such a great feeling. And, but then, you know, I, I did a virtual talk a couple of weeks ago because in that part of the country, they were having difficulty, you know, having people want to come to a place. So it, it's going to be a little bumpy, I think, for a little while longer. But ultimately, as we said before, I think it's going to be really, really good to have all the options available to us. And if somebody is interested in becoming a speaker, maybe they're, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people want to do it, you know, but if there, if somebody, would it come to you? It's like, I think I want to be a speaker, but I'm not sure. You know, what's, and there's, I mean, 18 billion things of advice you can give them, but what's one thing that they could ask themselves to say, is this something that I, I really want to do? 
Yeah, I think uh, there's there are people who have given presentations before, and uh, maybe that's in the form of uh, uh, doing something at church or doing something for work, and you gave some type of presentation to you know your department or to the board or to the, you know someone in the company, or you spoke at something for a friend and some little community event or something. And for a lot of times, what happens is like, oh, boy, that was really fun. I would love to do more of that. I just don't know what to do next. And and building a business where you are just dependent on other people to find you uh, is really, really hard. You just kind of sit back and wait and hope people magically discover you and you hope gigs fall in your lap like they have a time or two before. And like, that's just no way to build a business. And so what we want to work with students on is, is being going from being reactive to being proactive and really actively going out and finding and pursuing gigs. Uh, and I, the other thing I would say for, for people interested in speaking is I think it's really important to really kind of define for yourself, uh, do you want this to be a business or do you want it to be a hobby? Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of times people are like, I, I love speaking and it's kind of fun and I do it here and there. And maybe that's it. It's just purely a hobby. Um, and other people are like, no, I'd, I'd love to do 20, 30, 40 gigs a year. I'd love to get paid for a lot of them. I'd love to use this as a business lead gen, business development type of tool for you know my business or my company or something that I'm doing. And I'm, I really want to put in the work to, to do this seriously. Um, What's important though is you distinguish those because you can't you can't put in hobby effort and expect business results. Like you, you just have to treat this as a business, uh, and so if, especially if you're wanting again kind of business uh, type of results. And so um, yeah, the, there are speakers who speak on all different subjects and topics, all different stages and ages of of life and career and where they're at, and young speakers and older speakers. And uh, you know, I think like one misconception, for example is people assume, well, in order to be a speaker, you have to have some crazy story. You have to, you know, um, climb Mount Everest or overcome cancer or won a gold medal or whatever, you know? And like, the reality is, is like, that's just not the case. Like I'm a white male from the Midwest who's had a normal, average, mediocre life. I grew up in a, a middle-class family. Like there's nothing on paper that like, oh yeah, well, of course that dude should be a speaker. Like I remember early on in my speaking career, there was a, a, a buddy of mine um, who had cancer as a child ended up having a leg amputated, went on to become a one-legged downhill skier in the Paralympics. And I'm just like, I can't compete with that. Like, that's crazy. You know, just like this crazy life story. But the 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 reality is, is like, um, sometimes people are, are looking for someone who has some type of crazy story like that. That's fine. But for any speaker at any level, we are in the business of solving a problem. And so uh, that's ultimately what you're hired to do. And if you can incorporate your story into solving that problem, great. But that's the whole goal is to solve one specific problem for one specific audience uh, versus feeling like you just have to have some crazy story. And if you have a crazy story, then you can be a speaker and it's easy. Anybody can do it. That's not the case. Like, again, I have no story that would qualify me to be a speaker, but following a system, following a process, following a structure, like you can find and book gigs. And that's certainly something that, that we, we, we love helping people with. And you've done an amazing job at it too. And I, I'm, I'm a student and it, it, it's made uh, my life a whole lot better. And I get to travel uh, sometimes virtually, sometimes on an airplane, but either way, it's definitely had a positive impact on my life. So personally, just want to thank you for that. And really want to thank you for your time on the show today. So where can people find out more about you, the Speaker Lab and all the other amazing things you get to do? 
Yeah. People who listen to podcasts probably listen to other podcasts. And so definitely check out the Speaker Lab podcast. Like we talked about, we've got nearly 400 episodes there, all different subjects, topics. Definitely check it out, the Speaker Lab podcast. Uh, we also got a book called The Successful Speaker. So if you're looking for uh, f- uh, tips and strategies for practically finding and booking gigs, that's a great resource. Uh, and then everything else we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. And again, the, the podcast, different articles, uh, different free trainings that we host from time to time. So lots of resources over there. Um, but if there's anything we can ever do, to help serve, support you uh, at any point in your speaking career, please don't hesitate to, to reach out and let us know. Thank you so much for that. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Grant, again, thank you so much for all the work that you've done and, and the help that you've given me over the years. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.